Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Blazing Rye Radio. It's Monday, July 23rd, 2012. Um, we are breaking from the normal format tonight, uh, given the events that happened three days ago uh, in Aurora, Colorado, where a masked gunman opened fire on a crowded, sold-out movie theater as the Dark Knight Rises. Um, we're going to go through that uh, tonight. We're going to talk all about the events, um, the suspect, um, and uh, just a bunch of other things. If you uh, were affected or know somebody who was at the theater or if you live in Colorado, uh, please don't hesitate to call. Um, our, the, our phone in number for tonight is 917-388-4131. Again, I'll repeat that's 917-388-4131. You can also tweet your thoughts to Blaze and Rye Radio and uh, join the chat room. Uh, if you sign in through either your Blog Talk Radio, Twitter, or Facebook account on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, joining me tonight to discuss uh, what happened um, is our good friend of this program, a longtime radio broadcaster and voiceover artist, uh, Mr. David Bowers. David, good to have you on. Good evening, Ryan. Good to be here. All right, sir. So let's let's kind of break it down timeline-wise, what happened. I'll tell you that, um, uh, have you have you seen this movie yet? No, I have not. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I was actually at a midnight showing um, in uh, on Thursday night, you know, slash Friday morning in Brooklyn. Um, my friend, my co-workers and I, in my um, day job, we uh, got we all got tickets together, and there were all the Manhattan showings were sold out. So we went to a Brooklyn showing, which was convenient for two of us because we live in Brooklyn, and then inconvenient for the other one who lived in, lived in Queens. Um, but it was worth it because this is uh, an event. It's not just a, a movie. You know, it's it's the last in this this epic trilogy of Christopher Nolan Batman, which is uh, you know by many people's uh, estimation, by far the, the, the better, the best of the Batman franchises. Um, and I'll tell you, David, the craziest thing I saw the other night was um, there were a couple weird things, but nothing um, nothing too out of the ordinary, because it's, as I said, it's more of an event than it is just a, a movie. So, um, you know, as I went up to the line outside the theater, which was around the corner, uh, I saw a kid in a in a cape with a, a Batman symbol on it, and he was like a, a teenager and um, had no shame about wearing that cape. And uh, it's to be expected that people would be dressed up in in costumes, and um, which is maybe you know now if you see people at costumes at this particular movie, then people might get concerned. So I, I was not concerned; it was just a teenager in a cape. Um, and uh, then when we walked into the movie. Uh, and, and took our seats like an hour and a half ahead of time or something. Um, there was a family in front of us, and uh, one of the the children in front of us had um, a, a folding chair that he brought into the movie theater, and uh, his brother or friend or whatever was like yelling at him about it, and the kid who's bringing in this folding chair yells, I didn't bring it, and he slams the chair down on the floor, and at the time, I thought it was hilarious. 
Um, like, like, and wh- where did this kid come from? Where did he get the folding chair? Why did he bring it into a movie theater? Uh, now, I feel like if people were to see bizarre behavior at a movie like this, at this movie in particular, like that, then maybe there would be some cause for concern. And there was another thing that happened that was out of the ordinary at the movie where, oh, um, just this, this guy just walked in and yelled out, Sam McAllister, show yourself. Uh, and he was just looking for his friend, and he was, I don't know if he was inebriated or just obnoxious or something, but he, rather than, you know, as we all do, walk into the theater and take a look around uh, in the darkness to find our friend, he just ran in there and yelled out, Sam McAllister, show yourself, and he found his friend right away. Other than that, it was a pretty seamless showing. There was no, uh, there was nothing like what happened um, to uh, the people in Colorado. No, uh, no, there was the typical what you would expect, uh, you know, reactions from the crowd, cheering when Batman shows up, that sort of thing. But that was it. Um, now, the thing is that what's very jarring about what happens that it, it's very hard to fathom is that it, the opening scene of the movie, the uh, uh, the antagonist in the movie, Bane, played by Tom Hardy. Um, he's using tear gas and there are shootings so that if you see somebody at a movie theater with a gas mask on starting to shoot, you may actually think that that is part of the movie. Um, What do you think about that idea that people, uh, you know, maybe they were delayed in reaction because of that? I think it's definite possibility, uh, especially in this day and age, as you, as you indicated, it's, uh, it's not uncommon for people to come in character, and uh, you know, as such, you're going to act out part of the role. I mean, taking in particular uh, this, the accused who came as the Joker. If someone came as the Joker to one of these shows uh, and started acting out, it wouldn't have been taken seriously before now. Uh, unfortunately, this is going to change the way we view antics at. Uh, at uh, movies and other similar events from now on, because every time somebody does something like come in and call somebody's name or act a little erratic, uh, it's going to give us pause to stop and wonder, you know, what's going on, what's happening next? Is this for real or is this guy uh, off base somewhere? Exactly. And that's, those are the thoughts I keep having are those three little incidents that I thought nothing of other than, um, they were just kind of weird, funny uh, things that people were doing and being obnoxious or dressing up or <laughs> carrying in a folding chair for no reason and slamming right. it on the ground. Right, and if this happens at a future screening, mm-hmm. uh, you'll definitely have questions. Yeah, I would, you know, jump right up and wonder what what's going on. Um, so just to um, make it clear, it was at uh, 12.05 a.m. Mountain mm-hmm. Time. The Dark Knight Rises started to play. Uh, it was at the Century 16 movie theaters at the Aurora Town Center. Um, and there were some people dressed as characters from uh, this Batman movie. Uh, and according to ABC News, Holmes uh, is the guy's name, James Holmes. He bought a ticket to the movie and went into the theater. Um, and after the movie started, he left through an emergency exit door uh, and propped it open. And then he, uh, when he returned to the theater, he had on riot gear, re-entered the theater, tossed two gas canisters, and began shooting into the crowd 
at 12, 13 a.m. Mountain Time. Can you imagine being in a movie theater, you know, seeing you're there with your family, you're, you're seeing this, <laughs> you, all you're doing is going to a movie, and, and this, I mean, I can't imagine what was going through people's minds. Well, yeah, that plus the fact that your mind is probably about as far removed from something of that nature as it could possibly be because it's a, it's an event, it's a party, it's, you know, you're in party mode, as it were, and uh, you're not thinking serious thoughts of any kind, regardless of, you know, who you're with. And the fact that you are more than likely with people that you care about to some degree uh, just magnifies the uh, the situation. Absolutely. Um, so where we are here right now is um, in the timeline. Uh, I'm going to... Uh, play a clip of um, the events in the movie theater that were caught on a on a cell phone video. I've been very torn about whether or not to uh, actually play this, um, but it does kind of take us to the scene. And as a as a yoga teacher in L.A. once told me, anger can be quite useful, and it certainly does stir up some emotions. This is not for the saint at heart, so. Um, by all means, if you need to tune out for a minute and tune back in, that's fine. Uh, here is some audio of the cell phone video that was caught on tape. And this is during the scene, um, about 12.39 a.m., uh, maybe a little after, uh, on Thursday night slash Friday morning in Aurora. <laughs> exactly what you'd expect a uh, a large group of people assembling for some purpose or another uh, with no inclination of the events that are coming down i don't know what the where this was in the time sequence uh, if if you mentioned that i missed the point but i didn't catch if this was right at the very beginning this was obviously before the shooting 
you know, I think this was after the shooting had uh, broken out in the theater and people were fleeing to escape is when this cell phone video was caught in the in lobby. In which case, I, I, I'm a little surprised that you didn't quite get the uh, the aura of, of panic. I mean, you heard some loud voices, but you didn't hear the screaming, the fear that I would have anticipated hearing. Mm-hmm. When you actually take a look at the video, you see people who have been shot, um, limping out, bleeding, uh, and people are screaming, and it's, it's quite terrifying. Um, I'm going to bring on Michelle now, uh, a good friend of Blaze and Rye Radio. Uh, she is an actress and a singer and, and just a wonderfully talented human being. Uh, Michelle, how are you? I'm okay, Ryan. How are you? Um, it's I'm always on your show in such a happy-go-lucky um, broadcast. <laughs> and uh, Unfortunately, you know, uh, we have there are serious things to talk about, but I appreciate you very much for asking me to come on and discuss this um, tonight. So thank you. Well, thank you for uh, doing it, especially at, at the last minute. Um, you know, we, we didn't have a show scheduled for this week. We were going to go live next week, and um, I feel like if, if you have a format and maybe there's some sort of healing that can take place or understanding if that's even possible that can take place, then, then we better do it. Um, so I thank you guys for, for joining me. Did, did you hear any of that um, video that was just played? Um, I caught the last maybe 30 seconds of it, but I think that that was, um, from what I heard, pretty much all I think anybody needs to hear to kind of understand or kind of grasp what, you know, if if we can grasp it all, you know, what it, the feeling was like um, in that theater, outside the theater, um, you know, 48 hours ago. Yeah. So it was, back to our timeline, it was around 12.38 a.m. This um, guy comes in in a, in a, a gas mask um, and throws two gas canisters and begins shooting into the crowd at random uh, he starts slowly walking up and down the theater aisles, shooting at random people. Uh, there is still no word of any motive. Um, Twelve people were killed. A total of 58 people were injured. Um, most of the people were admitted with gunshot wounds and some with um, shrapnel wounds. And uh, 11 people were in critical condition uh, as of Friday night, the day after this happened. So within about a minute and a half, the police showed up. Um, at first, there were 25 police officers. That soon became 200 officers on the scene. And at 12.45 a.m., um, James Holmes was identified as the suspect, and uh, he willingly um, cooperated in his arrest. Uh, he did not flee, um, which is interesting. You know, he he goes through planning all this and getting all these weapons. Um, and it wasn't a situation where, you know, they, someone will do something as terrifying as this and then be fine with the police shooting him. He wanted to, he wanted to live to tell about this. Um, David, what yeah. do you think about that? Well, I, I think that it, it's a very, very, confusing situation and the unfortunate part is we will probably 
never really understand what motivated him. Uh, they say now that he is not cooperating. I watched the uh, the video of the uh, courtroom drama today, and uh, quite frankly, it looked like he had been sedated. It looked like he was on some sort of medication, although they avoided uh, commenting on that. Uh, yeah. I, I seriously doubt that we're ever going to have a complete resolution as to what motivated him to do that. And one thing that troubles me about this or any other similar situation, and we saw that uh, down here in uh, Miami area recently with the Trayvon Martin shooting, and that's the uh, the shoot from the hip reaction from the general public, especially when they don't have an explanation, uh, or at least they don't have one they're satisfied with, the tendency to go off on their own with their own thoughts and reactions. And uh, this is definitely not a time to do that. Uh, we've got to try and uh, the people involved, the authorities, have to try and discover whatever they can about motivation. I know there's a... Uh, there's one train of thought going around with the police and uh, the authorities there now that uh, that there is a girlfriend somewhere, but they haven't been able to figure out who she is or where she might be or whether she would be any help. It's the thing that intrigues me most uh, about the questions is the fact that so far they have been able to come up with no contact, no friends, no close buddies or anything that really appear to have been in a position to have any insight into where he was mentally in the days and perhaps weeks leading up to this. Right. Uh, we do know that in the weeks leading up to this, he he was buying in a ridiculous amount of ammunition and weapons. Yeah, that, um, that brought up another question because based on his income, which was uh, between seventeen and eighteen hundred dollars a month, he did not have the money, or at least would not apparently have had the kind of money that it would have taken to buy the ammunition and materials that he got with them uh, to uh, that he had with him at the time this happened and stored in his uh, in his apartment. They, it's very troubling not knowing where he got the money to buy all this, because it was all paid for. They have ascertained that, that uh, it was something that has all been paid for. Where did he come up with all this extra money? Right. Um, Michelle, before we get to the, the gun, um, do you have any idea or have you heard anything regarding um, any potential motives for this to have taken place? You know, I haven't. Um Here's the here's the funny thing about and Ryan. I know that you can kind of relate to this. Is kind of unplugging yourself from having um, cable television in your in your home, which I I don't have. I don't have antenna or anything like that. You have to actually go out, <laughs> you know, in the internet world and find information. And so I I haven't really been exposed to as much um, as much you know, like a lot of the video and, and audio and stuff. I haven't really um, look too far into but you know i have i have listened to a lot of um a lot of people talk about this um on various you know radio radio news stations over the weekend uh, or this past weekend and i think that i think that what we have to look at is we have to focus on the person 
and and what all of these people that have kind of brought about these you know large massacre shootings is you know what's the commonality between them and you really have to um approach it as you know i mean we Ryan we come from the columbine generation we come from i mean i I don't know if you were a sophomore in high school. I was a junior in high school when that happened. Yeah. And I remember that being one of the most terrifying um, experiences in my, you know, young life. And I remember how that affected everything after that. I remember having our bags checked when we would go into school and, and things became different. Um, but... I mean, as far as the motivation, this is clearly a person who has a mental disorder. This is not uh, this is not your average run-of-the-mill twenty-something-year-old man. This is mm-hmm. a, uh, a how old is twenty-four, right? And he 24. was, uh, yeah, and he was a, a and forgive me if I'm mistaken, of neuroscience. He was getting yeah. a PhD or something in neuroscience, so. He's a diabolical genius on top of the fact that he has an undiagnosed mental disorder. So I think that, you know, we have to look at not only the crime and the heinousness, but also what maybe could have, what has been overlooked time and time again. I mean, you look at Jared Lee Loughner, who um, killed six people in Tucson. You have to look at the killer in Fort Hood, Virginia Tech. Um, and, you know, as far back as Columbine in 1999, what do all these people have in common? What are the warning signs? What are, what are, the, what are the things that uh, family, friends, co- uh, coworkers, um, fellow students, teachers, what's, what's constantly being overlooked? So I don't, as far as motives, I mean, who knows? I mean, I, who knows? I mean, I guess all people had a motive, but I think that there's something you know, much deeper there than just a motive. I think that there's um, a deeper problem that's being overlooked. I think I have to agree with you on that. Uh, one, Den- pardon me, one Denver station, uh, their uh, ABC channel in Denver, which contacted uh, Holmes's mother shortly after the incident. Uh, they're reporting that shortly after he was arrested by police and taken to police headquarters, he acted bizarrely and was using evidence bags as hand puppets in his own little skit or whatever it was. They don't really say what he was doing, but he was acting out something using evidence bags as hand puppets. So there's there's definitely, there is definitely a mental instability there. Absolutely. And, and I think, I mean, you know, there's a, I think there's common ground with, you know, not only these deranged criminals who are, you know, carrying out these horrible um, evil acts of 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 just I, I mean I could come up with a million words it's just horrible horrible um, crimes you know on on these levels that you know we can't even imagine but there's this this common ground I think between terrorists and and criminals of this nature is that they isolate themselves they have sudden changes of behavior they become withdrawn. Um, they, the changes of how they relate with the people around them. So I think that, you know, we as, as a society um, need to kind of rethink 
how um, we treat people uh, with mental instability because obviously, I mean, you're looking at, I mean, I, I was even just today going back and looking at the um, Virginia Tech shooter and this person who had been uh, diagnosed with anxiety disorder and that he had been stalking someone and, you know, he had this and this. And then Virginia Tech didn't know about his his past and previous diagnosis because of um, some sort of, you know, confidentiality situation. It's right. You have, I mean, there's got to be. I don't. I mean, who knows what what the what the solution is? But there's just something. There's something going on, and that all these people have in common. Um, that you know, it's it's almost like, oh gosh, could we have stopped it? Could someone have stopped it? You know, had someone said something? Had there been a right. had there been protocol? Had there been protocol? You know, for mm-hmm. something like that. And, but then the sure. flip side is, you don't want it to turn into a witch hunt. You know, you're like, oh, this person's odd. They might, you know, they right. might be terrible. So, I mean, I don't know what the answer is, but certainly it's unsettling to think that um, all of these kinds of um, human beings who are capable of such um, horrific behavior all kind of have the same um, characteristics. While we're on his um, appearance, mental instability. Uh, David mentioned before the uh, his behavior in the courtroom today. I, I mean, I've never seen anybody behave that way uh, in a courtroom setting, you know, whether it's um, Charles Manson or, you know, I mean, Michael Jackson will show up in pajamas, uh, stuff like that. But, but people tend to be very stern in court. He was all over the place just facially, and it looks, I don't know if he was it looked like he was heavily drugged, heavily sedated or something. Um, David, what do you make of that? Do you think he was on drugs today? Well, since it's obviously, and, and you did ask what do I think, so it's obviously an opinion. I have no no basis in fact. But my first opinion and was and still is that, yes, they. Uh, I, I really think that they had him sedated uh, because one, there were reports of him being uncooperative, which is a generic term f- that can be broadly interpreted to all extents of behavior, and uh, the fact that they didn't want to risk an outburst by him during the courtroom session because obviously it's a media event, all eyes are on this courtroom, and uh, they didn't want to risk having him go into some sort of a situation where they'd have to exercise undue force or something unpredictable would happen. So, yeah, I fully believe that they did have him sedated. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you, absolutely. I think that, and, you know, and who knows what, you know, the psych consult, you know, you know, came up with. They could have thought that he was a danger to his, himself or, for you know, for various reasons, I'm sure that they probably had him, you know, on – even maybe slightly to heavily sedate. I mean, it's hard to tell because we don't know what this person's like on a daily basis. Um, but I, it wouldn't surprise right. me with her. And, I mean, that's not really something they're going to tell the public about. So where we are uh, in the timeline, I'm, I'm going to play a few. Um, I'm going to play a clip of 911 calls uh, that were happening during this time, uh, and we'll come right back. Um, again, uh, this is not easy to listen to. Um, so... Uh, you know, if you need to tune out for a minute, um, come right back. That's fine. Uh, here we go. Um, these are some 911 calls from 
late Thursday night, early Friday morning in Aurora. 15 and 314 for a shooting at Century Theaters, 14300 East Alameda Avenue. They're saying somebody's shooting in the auditorium. 15 and 314, there is at least one person that's been shot, but they're saying there's hundreds of people just running around. Somebody's still shooting inside theater number nine for an employee. mind. I mean, it just, it, 
you couldn't make this stuff up, in other words. I mean, it's just it, it boggles the mind. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, there, there was a report that he told police that he was the Joker, and he has obviously dyed his hair red. Apparently, the, the hair, yes, that is true, but apparently the, the fact that he said, I'm the Joker, is not true. He apparently never uttered that phrase. Um, however, uh, Michelle, do you think that there is some correlation between uh, the Dark Knight with Heath Ledger's character, the Joker, um, being somewhat likable, be almost as if you kind of want to um, root for him. I mean, you want Batman to win in the end, but you're just mesmerized every time the Joker's on screen. Do you think that there that, that played uh, a role in the influence of, of Holmes um, and that that could be why he did this? Did he think he was the Joker? I I mean, it's it's hard to know because... You know, it's so early. I mean, it's it's so early in, in this story that it's I, – I mean, my initial response is no. I mean, I think that that's the same argument you could use for, you know, so many different uh, – I mean, Like from, Marilyn Manson I, and Columbine. It's an easy way out. I think that's such an mm-hmm. easy way out of, of people blaming these kinds of things on, on oh, well, he wanted to be like – you know, Joker and Batman, or, or oh, he played too many violent video games. I think that that's kind of an, I think that's kind of a cop out um, reasoning, and I, I, that's not really, that's not really something I think. I mean, but who knows? Who knows? I mean, who knows how crazy? I'm, I think you know, again, to bring up the whole mental instability thing. I mean, there's something you know to be said for the fact that he went into that movie, um, but mm-hmm. I mean this. But it's so premedit like premeditated. Um, I mean, this this obviously, I mean, months maybe went into this. Um, who's to say? I mean, who's? And it also comes. We come from a generation of of reality TV and and this young hunger for fame. And who's to say that he's not looking for his fifteen minutes and this is his way of of getting that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess my answer is I don't know. But I, if mm-hmm. come up with a couple scenarios, I mean, maybe that would be it. But I, I'd like to not think that that Batman or the Joker is is what it is. I think that that's um, that's not something I would I would agree with at all. I have to agree okay. with Michelle on that. We're we're mm-hmm. too quick to blame. You know, we're too quick quick to blame. Period. It's become an mm-hmm. American way, but uh, mm-hmm. especially to blame. Uh, the media and uh, things like the movies, the TV shows. I mean, I I predate you all by a little bit, and I grew up in an era era where uh, you know every day of the week there were cowboys shooting people on television, and I did not turn right. out to be a mass murderer. And this right. had manifested itself prior to this event. I mean, uh, back in uh, June, uh, toward the end of June, he had applied to a gun range, and right. the owner owner of the gun range made a routine call to talk to him on the phone and he said that what he had heard was anything but routine it was base guttural rambling incoherent and bizarre at best he said he had no idea what the message said but he knew he didn't want to talk or he probably didn't want him shooting at his range and even went so far as to tell his staff if the guy shows up nothing happens till i meet him 
So right. his behavior I, had been erratic well before the event. I hear that. I'm glad you brought that up, and, and Michelle, you touched on it too about the mental instability. I mean, not only should we be talking about gun control at this point because of this, we should be talking about our utter lack of dealing with mental health issues of people in this country in general. I mean, the, you go back to the uh, Virginia Tech shootings, yeah. and you know these people that have had clearly there's there's been signs. You know, when you when they start piecing it all together, it just it it really it's it's sort of infuriating. I mean, well, there's so yeah. much we don't know. You know, we pride ourselves on how much we have learned and progressed over the years, and it's true to a, to a great degree. But uh, there's still so much we don't know that we can't really you know put our finger on and say, okay, this person's going to turn into a mass murderer. Or right. this person sure. has the potential to go off the deep end. Yes, in some cases we can, but there's still a large area where we can't. And then then we're faced with the the moral dichotomy. Do we overreact to protect society or do we protect this person's rights by giving you know, giving him every chance to show that he is stable and deserving of our support? I you know, I, I couldn't couldn't agree with you more, and I—I I mean, I don't want to go way too off topic, but I think that that, um, you know, as Americans, I think that that is the way that we've been treating things for—I mean, I don't know how long, but certainly in the last decade, decade and a half of, of my life, is that seems to be the, you know, what do we do to keep ourselves, you know, safer? What do we do in order to fix the problem? Do we, you know, I'm, I just completely thought just. Went out my brain. Where did? Well, I'll tell you what. I'm actually going to uh, bring on uh, my friend who is in Colorado right now, uh, Simon wow. Schwartz. Um, and uh, hey, Simon, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, how, what's the what's the mood like out in Colorado now? Well, you know, we had the uh, there was a service yesterday by uh, in Aurora. You know, a number of different legislators come. Um, you know, it's 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 sadness. It's confusion. Um, at the same time, in Colorado, you have a lot of folks, and I don't want to use "moving on" as a word or as a as a the, the choice of words, but you know, wh- where do we go from here with incidences like this? Um, I know this is a massacre, but you know, consider the massacre. But just a few weeks before this, there was a shooting, you know, in a city park during a jazz fest uh, to a police officer. Um, there's countless issues with gangs uh, and, you know, using using weapons. Uh, and that's going off the subject, but, you know, I've been listening for a little bit. I, I think the, the downright area where people are at is, one, the confusion is leading to anger. Um, and I think there's just, especially with this trial, um, you know, the how serious this is is really becoming apparent. Now, is this a, theater, a movie theater that you have frequented um, growing up in Colorado? Uh, no, you know, this is, I, I actually grew up in Connecticut, but moved out here, you know, oh. full time. Um, mm-hmm. This uh, this theater is actually located in Aurora and from downtown, I would say it's about 15 minutes away. Um, because mm-hmm. of the amount of theaters that 
you know, are located within the downtown premises. Um, I don't know personally, but, you know, via Facebook have found out, you know, friends of friends and, you know, brothers and sisters were at, uh, you know, the, the theater or around that area in the evening. And there was a lot of confusion. There still is just around there. Um, that whole area uh, on Alameda, I think it's Alameda and uh, just in Aurora, you know, by the by the mall, there's just a, a ton of people going over. Um, you know, the, the idea brought up behind, you know, people want revenge, you know, in, in mm-hmm. a way there's, there's a lot of people here saying, you know, what's the point of trial? You know, let's bring them through the trial process, get it done. Um, you know, there, there's sure. people saying, well, they're going to claim insanity, but on their part, there's a lot of people that say, you know, who cares? You know, they, they're going to claim insanity. They think there's going to be any type of rehab. You know, no one wants any of these things. There's definitely a case of, you know, innocent people were attacked. And when that happens, no yeah. matter who's on the uh, end of watching what happened, there's definitely a feeling of uh, of anger. Absolutely. Um, Simon, before you go, uh, uh, Tom Fogarty, um, are, are you, do you, do you need to get going or are you good for now? No, I'm okay. Okay, good. I'm actually going to bring on... Uh, one more friend who is in Colorado at the moment, um, Bryce Licht. Uh, let me just, uh, Bryce, are you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Um, so mm-hmm. I was just talking to Simon Schwartz. Uh, you, do you guys know each other? You do, right? Yeah. yeah. We went, Simon and I went to high school together. <laughs> hey, Bryce, how are you? <laughs> Good, man. Interesting, interesting reunion after 10 <laughs> Um, unfortunately, it's under uh, these circumstances, but I was just asking Simon for kind of what's what's the mood out there. Um, I believe you, you might be a, a, a bit closer to where this happened, Bryce. Um, can you just tell me what, uh, what's going on out there, and has anyone you know um, delayed their plans to see the Batman movie because of what happened? Um, I've actually delayed my plans to see the Batman movie because of what happened. Have you really? Yeah. I uh-huh. Not that I expect anything else to happen. Um, it's more, it kind of took the excitement out of it. You know, we had talked about it with my wife and I. We had talked about going to see the movie. We watched the first two again just to catch up. And uh, then this was literally the day before it happened. And we wake up Friday morning and actually got a call from, from Italy. My wife is from Italy. And so the news obviously made it over there. 8 o'clock in the morning, their time, midnight, our time. So we didn't hear about it until we woke up from her dad in Italy, of all things. And, um, you know, all, I'm sure we'll still go see the movie, but it definitely took the, the excitement out of it, and we, we're not in any rush now. Like, I will go. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not afraid of something else happening, but, um, yeah, not, not in a huge hurry like I might have been. And, Simon, what about you? Have, have you yet seen this movie? I saw it on Saturday night. Okay, and were you at all no, no, reluctant to go? You know, there's a part of me. I lived in Israel uh, from 2000 and 2002 to beginning of 2004. Uh, it was the beginning of the Second Intifada, which, and I don't want to say there's desensitization that's involved with it, but I was living there during a time when there was bombings nonstop, and there's kind of a way of thinking and a way of life that you're not forgetting what happened 
and you're not moving on, but you're progressing with life. And while, you know, it, it, I definitely have been affected by it, just like everyone else, I think, in this country, um, it, it wasn't, it, it's not, it didn't press hard on me to go see the movie, I guess. Okay. And, you know, Bryce touched on something where it, it's taken out the excitement for him. Uh, Tom Fogarty, the, um, you know, the, going to the movies is such a, an American uh, tradition, and uh, particularly with the Batman movie, um, I feel like uh, people, uh, you know, everyone loves Batman because anybody could, could be Batman. It's, it's much more realistic than any other superhero movie, and um, this was much more uh, an event than it was just uh, a movie. Um, Tom, do you think that this is uh, – this has tainted uh, the movie-going experience for a while in America? Uh, no, I don't think so at all. I mean, you just look at the numbers mm-hmm. over the weekend. You know, it sort of goes to what uh, Schwartz was saying, that mm-hmm. people become desensitized to certain things. And yeah. clearly, if yeah. that's not on your radar, you know, if you're already living in the inner city – you know, and you're hearing bullets nightly or you're dealing with the helicopters flying over the neighborhood on a regular basis, you're already living in a movie. So I, yeah. I, I don't see it stopping now. Okay. No. Um, you know, and I did find that interesting that they chose not to give the numbers, you know, in depth mm-hmm. to what did happen. Uh, and even the New York Times today and normally in their business section on Monday – they always give, you know, what the box office grosses were for the weekend. Well, they decided to do the entire year to date so that they didn't have to deal with Batman at all. Sure. So it, uh, was, right. it was up until, you know, the movie would have opened, and they mm-hmm. went backwards to show, you know, what, mm-hmm. the, what the big money makers were for the year so far. That is strange. Um, Bryce, before you go, being from Colorado – um, and actually you have, uh, I mean, you, you went to school in California. So did this guy. Um, and, uh, I don't, I don't know. Um, I mean, obviously there's connection with, we have this guy and I have the same last name, um, which mm-hmm. I hate. Uh, anyway, what, why do you think this stuff keeps happening in Colorado? Cause you have Columbine, you have this, and there have been several incidents in between. I visited Colorado beautiful state. Um, What do you think is going on with the mentality out there that this stuff keeps happening? I mean, I would love to just chalk it all up to coincidence, and and that is kind of what it feels like. Obviously, like you said, the first thing that came to mind when I heard about this was Columbine. But, um, you know, I do feel like they are two very different things, both obviously horrific, but um, Columbine were, you know, kids that had a horrible time at school and their solution was to go to their school and kill the people they knew. This is so different because this was, you know, seems to be clearly planned, but just to kill anybody and everybody who was there, you know, random strangers. So I don't know, in some ways, like you can trace the, the thought process, even, even though it's quite sick of the kids at Columbine, while this is really difficult to, to understand where this came from, why he did this. So, I don't know, you can make the connection. Obviously, they're both in Colorado. They're both these, these mass killings. Um, but I, I couldn't tell you what it is about here that 
makes this happen. I think it's just a, you know, a horrible coincidence. You bring up a good point in that it's, it, you know, while sickening and, and difficult, it is easier to trace the thought process of an angst-ridden teenager or a couple of them than it is to trace the thought process of this guy who opened fire opening night of a movie. Um, Michelle, what do you think about that? Do you think it's more difficult to, to understand this guy than it was to understand the Columbine shooters? Um, I think that I think it's easier to navigate through, you know, the backgrounds of these other people, uh, especially, you know, Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold, because not only um, were they kids who had been, you know, had had full lives with friends and, and, and there were several people that, you know, could attest to the fact that they were either normal or not normal or, you know, there was several different, you know, witnesses that if, if that's how you want to put it um yeah. they came from upper middle class families um you know who's just i mean who's to say they also they they committed suicide um yeah after what they this guy didn't so i think that when the shooter um dies at the end of these things we have it's it's easier for us to kind of point a finger and say okay well you know he's not with us anymore and i'm now that we have to watch this guy um, on TV, trying to make sense of all of it, and I think that not knowing much about him at all, um, I know that yeah. we before that there might be a girlfriend, and like not to joke, but I'm like, who's dating that guy? Um, right. Uh, but we don't know anything about him, so I think that maybe that it is a little more difficult to navigate through maybe what the thought process or uh, process or what's going on through this guy's mind because. It really just might be, I hate to, you know, minimalize what, what you know, maybe he's going through, but a crazy guy, <laughs> you know, who's to say? Yeah. It just might be like just, just craziness. So, yeah, I think it's probably harder in this instance. Well, if I can jump in, I mean, I do think, you know, everybody has touched on a bit of it, but at the same time, we're going to learn a lot more about this guy in the next days, weeks, and months to come. So maybe we can see it a little more clearly and with the same sort of, uh, you know, looking forward that we can look at with the Columbine kids. But I do think they're very similar in just the fact that these, somehow these youth were disenfranchised. Somehow they fell through cracks. Somehow they were allowed and continued to, you know, just sort of, been out of control, whether it was in their own mind for a long time, and then finally there's like little glimmers of it and they blow. Or I, it, I gotta say, and this may be getting way off topic, but the first the first thing that infuriated me about the whole situation was the number of children and infants uh, yeah, who were in a absolutely. midnight movie of such violence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, my growing up, we you know that we were all packed into the car and went to the drive-in movies, and I saw some horrendous movies, but nothing like the violence that you see today. Excellent point. And yeah. So you know the fact uh, that if if that's what kids are growing up with, if that's what they're being weaned on, and then the next mm-hmm. like you know bit of like manual dexterity they get is playing violent games at home, and then they go to school mm-hmm. and be wondering why they're acting out at school, and then they grow up to be, you know, this ultra genius kind of guy who's like got all this in there and just mm-hmm. decides to put it all together one day and, you know, do a big F you to everybody. Yeah, they're being uh, yeah. We're, 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 we're flaming it, you know, we're, we're 
uh, th- and that's the conversation we should be having as well. You know, absolutely. What I just have to interrupt one second. I'm sorry, David, to cut you off. Um, uh, Bryce and Simon, I know you guys got to go. Um, Bryce, I feel like twice a year I'm asking you if you're okay because stuff keeps happening there. I hope I do not have to ask that again. Um, <laughs> thanks for coming on, man, and uh, I-, I hope you can get excited about the uh, the film again because it is really good and it's, it's just, you know, it's shitty that this, this happened. Yeah, yeah, of course. I'll, I'll try to make it this week. All right, be careful out there. Thanks uh, for calling thanks, in. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you soon. Bye. Um, okay, uh, I'm sorry, David, go ahead. Well, actually, it wasn't me you cut off, but... <laughs> I was totally dumped. Wait, yeah, wait, no, I, Tom was talking. Then oh, no, I was you were talking. I heard somebody wanted to try to get in, too, and I realized I was I was hogging things. But if I can uh, just anyway. throw in one more thing, I also thought it was amazing yes. that the the uh, religious article that was in the Times on Sunday was about the purity balls, and the purity balls started in Colorado. So, I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. it, it does seem to be something going on out there. Maybe it's the high altitude. I don't know what it is, but there does seem to yeah. be a connection of just this sort of like just slightly left of center kind of like thing that's going on. I think it yeah, might be a little more than the high altitude because as I re- I've never been to Denver, but as I recall, uh, it's at the relative same altitude now that it has been for quite some time. And uh, these events have sort of manifested themselves recently. I haven't heard of a lot of these things happening in the past. I, I, I think we have to avoid the tendency to overanalyze and at the risk of injecting our too much of the uh, parallel syndrome, you know, this matches that in this respect. I think to a large degree we have to look at these as somewhat isolated random incidents, even though it's been the misfortune for two of them to happen in Colorado. Uh, it is easier to analyze, for example, the Columbine students because we know a lot more about them. As one of your guests, and I apologize, I didn't catch who it was, but one of your guests pointed out, uh, we're going to learn an awful lot more about him in the days and weeks and months and perhaps years to come before this thing even gets to trial. Uh, I, I think we have to be careful not to over-inject are analyzing to the point where we start creating reasons that don't actually exist. Right. Now, what about the fact that the uh, the mother of James Holmes uh, was very quick to give him up, uh, told the police, you've got the right guy, immediately. Um, it's a little alarming to me because it shows that she knew something was up with him. Well, um, they disputed, they, they retracted that. Right. Uh, explanation. Uh, They said that the ABC station that got it had misinterpreted that. She was, in fact, saying, and since she's not running her office, I kind of tend to believe her, she was, in fact, saying that you have the right person. I am indeed his mother, or that is my son, not the fact that they had the right person as far as a guilty party was concerned. Right. She said Uh, that in a very long, elaborate statement herself this afternoon. She she gave something, I guess it was late afternoon, and she said basically the exact same thing that you just said, that she was responding to the fact that, yes, that's yeah. the son, not that, yeah. I see. So let's talk about the, the guns. Um, 
this guy was carrying three weapons, including a two two three caliber Smith and Wesson assault rifle, um, which had a drum style magazine with the capacity to hold upwards of a hundred rounds, a Remington twelve gauge shotgun, and a forty Glock handgun. Uh, there was a fourth handgun that was found in the uh, vehicle, uh, another Glock. Uh, he had purchased four guns at local shops and more than 6,000 rounds of ammunition on the Internet in the past 60 days. Uh, all the weapons and ammunition were purchased legally. I see 6,000 rounds of ammunition being purchased by one guy. That's like red flags should go off. Um, I don't know. I mean, what do you think about this? Um, Tom, why don't you take this? I mean, the fact that he had access to all this in such a short period of time, how can we fix it? Uh, it's uh, I don't know. I don't know how we can mm-hmm. fix it. It's the same, you know, the same reason that we're not hearing the presidential candidates say anything about it. You know, it's just it's not part of the conversation because no one wants to go there. Well, yeah, it's yeah. A, it's a Which political lobbying effort and control that the NRA has right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. the NRA is one of the most powerful interest groups in the United States. Yep. There's it's nobody wants to get in their face. It is a bipartisan, um, you know, whether or not people want to, you know, pledge their allegiance to the NRA NRA or not, but Democrats and Republicans alike, you don't want to have them on your bad side because of how powerful they are. Oh, over four million strong, that's a lot of votes. Right. A lot of votes, a lot of votes. I mean, and not since I think it was Bill Clinton in 1994 signing the um, assault weapons ban um, which was only to be 10 years long. So, I mean, clearly that 10 years is up. But, you know, since then you've seen nothing but a rise in gun-related violence. So you really have to look at, you know, what are gun laws and gun controls doing? Are they helping? Are they doing nothing? Um, you know, what are these policymakers, you know, willing to do because obviously there's something wrong something is going wrong well it's obvious i'm sorry no go ahead go ahead i was going to say it's obvious at least to me that gun laws are not necessarily the answer are definitely not the whole answer uh and a couple of examples one uh and uh, it slipped my mind, it was over in Scandinavia, Norway or Denmark, uh, had this big multiple shooting not too long ago. They have some of the toughest gun laws in the world, and here in the United States... in Toronto as well. And Toronto as well. And here in the United States, where we're discussing perhaps we should have stricter gun laws, actually gun-related deaths are dramatically down over the last 10 years. So I, I don't think... That gun laws by you know of and by themselves are the answer. We have um, uh, Jason Alexander, the actor who played George Costanza on Seinfeld, sent out a tweet on Twit Longer last night, a very very long tweet, um, and one of the the parts of it um, said, "I cannot understand support for legality of the kind of weapon in this massacre. It's a military right. weapon. Why should it be in non-mill hands?" Um, Semi-automatic weapons, I mean, I have pretty, you know, specific feelings about 
you know, about guns in general, but I semi-automatic guns, I don't know how they can possibly be purchased by a civilian. I don't know how, why, I don't, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. And for the fact that someone can get their hands on them so easily and legally. Oh, I can, I can also, agree on I can agree 100% with you on that one, but my point being that even if that type of gun was effectively outlawed and could not be purchased by any civilian, look at the rest of his arsenal. Right. I mean, well, you know, if if you ban one type of weapon and a guy is bent on committing a mass murder, he's going to find another weapon to do it with. He's going to find smaller guns. He's going to find bombs. Uh, there's any number I mean, of ways. He was making bombs. I mean, the booby-trapped apartment that exactly. um, he left was made with things that he learned how to make off the Internet. Exactly. So wants to, you know... He could have just as easily walked in there uh, as they do in the Middle East. And this is one thing that scares me because in some ways I see a trend towards the United States going down that same road. He could have just easy, as easily walked in there as a suicide bomber and taken out the whole place. Absolutely. Right. This tweet also from um, George Costanza here, um, it, it got him death threats. People responded to, you know, him saying that um, people responded by threatening his life, which I think is, um, it's obviously not everybody who uh, is a member of the NRA and, and part of that community, but it, I feel like there is a large portion of it who may be out of touch with reality um and you know they're constantly going after uh president obama saying that he'll take away their guns when the fact is he hasn't done anything about this and uh i think he should have um and should be doing something about it but the thing is like it's based on nothing their their assumption on this um so the fact that you know jason alexander an actor tweets something like this and then he gets a myriad uh, threats back from gun enthusiasts. Uh, what do you think about that, Tom Fogarty? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I don't know. My mind is just reeling from everything we've been talking about for the last ten minutes. I mean, sure. uh, the issue of guns, it would almost appear as though it would be easier for us to say that the movies kill you now and not guns. Mm-hmm. Let's just continue to let people get whatever gun they want to get, because even if it's gotten illegally, you know, they're still going to do something with it. I, it's just we're not having the conversation, whether, whether we're, yeah. you know, it's about, it's about increasing laws or decreasing laws. It's about having the conversation about what it does and what, what, what supersedes your rights versus my rights. Yeah. You know, and it you goes know, back, uh, and I and – I, you know, just did jury duty not too long ago, and I had to ask the question as I was, you know, saying, what if I decide, you know, not to say yes, I, I, so help me God, or I agree, or whatever the hell it is that I'm supposed to do, when <laughs> right there the biggest thing you see in, in the courtroom all the time over the bench is in God we trust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not a sentiment I'm particularly fall to, but, you know, it's like, the, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> So this issue just has me like going in a circle, you know, just reeling sure. about all this. Because where do you start? Where do you start coherently to start trying to pick this apart and make sense of all of it? Because it does all go together. Yeah. Mhm. It, it does, does, but it's very hard for us to 
make any just, sense out of it at this point. Um, I think it just becomes a shouting match, you know, between people who think yeah. they're right. And unfortunately, there's some people who are much more dangerous when they think they're right. So, Right. I was surprised at actually all the civil conversations that people had on my Facebook wall this weekend. You know, and, oh, yeah. and really explaining themselves. People who felt guilty about having that one rifle that they have because they live up in, you know, bumfuck California and they're in the middle of nowhere and they feel like they need a little protection every now and then. So they have the rifle that's in the closet that never gets used, but it's there. Yeah. That I can yeah. respect. But having yeah. an arsenal, sure. I, I don't mm-hmm. get it. I don't no, get me it. Either. Is that allowed to they're, even uh, happen? So I'm, they, I'm, um, they can have legally. The way that we um, are thinking about defending ourselves, I wanted to uh, bring this up while I have all of you on the on the line. A good friend of the show, Tamika Kid, a uh, very frequent co-host of Blaze and Rye, um, she texted me about an incident that she had the other night, and this was after this was on Friday or Saturday, so it was after the shootings had happened. Um, she was on the subway, and this is how the text reads: uh, This man started hollering because the train was hot and moving slow. I was at the back of the car. He was in the middle. We couldn't exit because that car's door was locked. Thank God some of the guys stood up and took off their iPods. That man got louder and pushed the lady, so we surrounded him and pushed his ass off as soon as we came into Lex. The doors closed and the train moved. We all just looked at each other like we've had enough for the day. We cannot be scared nor not evaluate out situations. Michelle, what do you think about that? Wow. <laughs> um, I mean, as a New Yorker, I mean, we know fear is our life sometimes. Um, things that you, you, The stuff you see on the subway on a, on a daily basis, um, especially as a woman, I, you know, sometimes I see crazy people and I'm like, is that guy going to stab me? Because <laughs> that totally could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just part of living here and living your life every day in a big, big city with a lot of people. But I think that there's something to be said for taking responsibility for, um, I mean, that's a, that's that's quite admirable, I think, what those people did, um, Tamika included. I, I, I don't know how I would react, but I think that that's pretty awesome. Kind yes, of, absolutely. Right? I mean, I'm, I think, is, does anyone else think it's awesome? I think that's kind of awesome. I'm, I, I guess I'm torn. On one hand, I, I see it, and I'd probably be in there and doing it. But then on the other hand, that exact same text that you just read can be used by somebody to say, this is the reason I'm going and buying a gun tomorrow. Right. Right. I need to have a little something more on me. Actually, can I, I'd like to kind of say something about that. Um, I was watching Meet the Press um, today, uh, catching up from yesterday, and they were having a, a discussion about this. Uh, there's a congress congressman, Republican from Texas, said on Friday on a radio, I believe it was a radio show, he said, it does make me wonder, you know, with all those people in the theater there, with nobody, with nobody that was carrying, that could have stopped the, this guy more quickly. Yeah, I heard that too. And I think yeah. that that, and you know, coming from a family of police officers, um, I can tell you that kind of mentality Especially, I mean, if you put it into a scenario in a theater with smoke and chaos and running, would have made more of a nightmare if that's even possible. And I think that, um, you know, I think that that kind of reaction is, you know, that's the flip side. Is that's that's the argument on a conservative gun enthusiast, NRA, 
side. And right, I it's that. absolutely there. I had a friend from high school posting, you know, said the exact same thing. If he was, he basically said, "Not on my watch would that have happened." You know, because yeah. I wouldn't have gone down because mm-hmm. I'd have had a gun on me. And this is like someone who's got three kids in Iraq. You know, just like mm-hmm. it, it just boggles the mind. It, yeah, and, and I think it's yeah, so pervasive. That's such a David, dangerous. Do you, um, would you agree with uh, Michelle's assessment that that things would have gotten worse had had people been armed in the theater, or would you disagree with that? David Bowers. Oh, I'm sorry. I would have to agree they would have gotten worse, and uh, a trained police officer is going to know better than to just pull out his weapon and start shooting because the danger of hitting other people is just so extreme. You don't, you don't pull and draw and aim and shoot unless you know you have a clear shot at your target. Yeah, it's yeah. I I just I really quick I just want to say you know in, even in a situation like that the last thing a police officer wants to do is shoot and you know I have a great grandfather who was um a, a member of the New York Police Department back in the 30s and he actually won a medal of a medal of honor that was presented to him by Mayor LaGuardia because he was running through a crowd of people in Midtown Manhattan being shot at and he did not shoot back because he didn't want to harm anyone. Um, in, um, in the way, and I'm, I'm just I, saying, like that—that's uh-huh. that's that's what we're talking about. And I think that if you've got a bunch of civilians who have handguns who think that they know how to use them, you know, shooting them to quote unquote defend themselves, I think that's that's a really dangerous um, scenario. I got to say that someone in the uh, chat room just said, "And scratching to visit New York off my bucket list." Um, I I would. <laughs> urge you not to think that way. Um, no, you know, you don't let this one maniac ruin uh, a wonderful experience that you could have. Um, and, I, yeah, well, uh, that maniac wasn't ours. You've got your own friggin' nuts where you live. So, you know, it, <laughs> it boggles, you know, it's like, again, you get 9 million people in a in a 50-mile area, you're going to have, you know, that many more nuts. So way more crazy shit. <laughs> in Syracuse for four years than I have in the eight years living in Manhattan. So yeah. I'll just say yeah. That's true. And I'm sure um, that was weather-related, too. Right. <laughs> or altitude. Uh, wanted to um, uh, talk about uh, Christopher Nolan, uh, the director of The Dark Knight Rises, uh, made a, a statement. I'd like to read it now. Speaking on behalf of the cast and crew of The Dark Knight Rises, I would like to express our profound sorrow at the senseless tragedy that has befallen the entire Aurora community. I would not presume to know anything about the victims of the shooting, but that they were there last night to watch a movie. I believe movies are one of the great American art forms, Mm -hmm. and the shared experience of watching a story unfold on screen is an important and joyful pastime. The movie theater is my home, and the idea that someone would violate that innocent and hopeful place in such an unbearably savage way is devastating to me. Nothing any of us can say could ever adequately express our feelings for the innocent victims of this appalling crime, but our thoughts are with them and their families. Um, thoughts, reactions, guys? Um, I'm wondering, did he make the movie for a six-month-old? My no, guess I, I don't think so. Well, well that, was then, you know. we, that was a point Ryan touched on earlier 
the fact that there were so many people in this theater with uh, small children. I think there was even one family there that they mentioned that had a very, very little baby there with them. And this goes back to a pet peeve of mine uh, that uh, Ryan and everybody knows me and knows I've ranted on over and over again. A large part, I believe, of our problems in society today deals or rather stems from a lack of proper parenting. I mean, you just don't take little kids to movies like that. Exactly. I mean, I'm right there with you. Don't get me started on that one. That's that's what I had my biggest arguments over the weekend with was over that. Mm-hmm. You know, it just it's, it's almost. Uh, I think somebody said there was one couple that had a four-month-old baby there. What the hell are you doing at a movie like that at midnight with a four-month-old baby? Right, and a a two-year-old. They had two, and she's got one on the way. So they were potentially, depending upon what court you go into, that was potentially a family of five was at that movie. Yeah. You know, so it's like you're going, really? You know, and it's it's not even an issue of it being a midnight showing. It is a violent movie. What are you doing there? Well, that's just it. There are so, it's wrong on so many levels. Yeah. But again, I mean, that's right. why I, I said, you know, it's that the, the, what we're doing to youth, if this is how they're being raised, just they're becoming desensitized to all of this. Right, and so they're desensitizing their kids at amazingly early ages. Right. It is all a game, and there is no reality when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. I think... I think that the the most violent thing that I was allowed to watch as a child was Back to the Future 2, and that's, you know, not even <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Bit, you know, I think we went to the drive-in to go see that or something. But well, except, I, I except maybe Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. Yeah. With me, it was my ditzy mother dropping me off to see what I can only assume she thought was a Disney film because of the title, and that was Hush, Hush, Be Charlotte. I was about nine years old. I think I wet the bed for a month and didn't sleep for half a year. (laughs) I mean, I remember, you know, back Batman um, with Michael Keaton, the first one came out in 1989, so I was um, six or seven at the time, and and I was allowed to go to the theater and and watch it, and it was violent and everything. Um, I mean, it wasn't that violent. It really yeah, it wasn't, even, it wasn't I mean, that violent. On a whole... uh, yeah, I think that the, the Tim Burton Batman movies were very dark and very, very violent. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that, that it makes sense that there are people who who are bringing their, you know, four-year-olds to this movie um, or that it makes any sense that they're there in the middle of the night. Uh, but but we have to, I think we have to be careful of, of what we're, you know, it's again, it's kind of the blame game. We're blaming the the movies, and uh, I don't know. It's, I think it kind of goes back to what David was touching on about parenting. Well, no, but it's it's a it's a time to have that conversation. We don't seem to have it any other time. So why not uh-huh. have it when some children have lost their lives because of the stupidity of their parents? Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, it, it's, as you said, it's a shame that it has to come up as a result of something like this, but... Sometimes it takes a tragedy to wake people up to sensibilities. Yep. Um, I'm just going to play um, uh, the the president's weekly address from yesterday, and we'll we'll come right back uh, with Michelle and Tom and David. As many of you know, early on Friday, at least 12 people were killed when a gunman opened fire at a movie theater in Aurora, Colorado. 
Dozens more are being treated for injuries at local hospitals. Some of the victims are being treated at a children's hospital. We're still gathering all the facts about what happened, but we do know that the police have one suspect in custody. And the federal government stands ready to do everything necessary to bring whoever is responsible for this heinous crime to justice. We will take every step possible to ensure the safety of all our people. And we will stand by our neighbors in Colorado during this extraordinarily difficult time. Even as we come to learn how this happened and who's responsible, we may never understand what leads anyone to terrorize their fellow human beings. Such evil is senseless, beyond reason. But while we will never know fully what causes someone to take the life of another, we do know what makes life worth living. The people we lost in Aurora loved and were loved. There were mothers and fathers, husbands and wives, sisters and brothers, sons and daughters, friends and neighbors. They had hopes for the future and dreams that were not yet fulfilled. And if there's anything to take away from this tragedy, it's a reminder that life is fragile. Our time here is limited, and it is precious. And what matters in the end are not the small and trivial things which so often consume our lives. It's how we choose to treat one another and love one another. It's what we do on a daily basis to give our lives meaning and to give our lives purpose. That's what matters. That's why we're here. I'm sure many of you who are parents had the same reaction I did when you first heard this news. What if it had been my daughters at the theater, doing what young children enjoy doing every day? Michelle and I will be fortunate enough to hug our girls a little tighter this weekend, as I'm sure you will do with your children. But for those parents who may not be so fortunate, we need to embrace them and let them know we will be there for them as a nation. This weekend, I hope everyone takes some time for prayer and reflection. For the victims of this terrible tragedy, for the people who knew them and loved them, for those who are still struggling to recover, and for all the victims of less publicized acts of violence that plague our communities on a daily basis. Let's keep all these Americans in our prayers. And to the people of Aurora, may the Lord bring you comfort and healing in the hard days to come. Um, all right. Uh, Michelle, uh, do you have a reaction to those statements? Do I, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm an Obama fan, so I, I just, I really appreciated how thoughtful he was and um, eloquent, respectful, and um, and I, I think I think he touched on a lot of things that are important, and I, I mean, what else can I say? I think it was great. Okay. Uh, and and David. Well, I I think it was tasteful and appropriate as it should have been for anyone of uh, of office or leadership uh, capacity in this country. Uh, it was everything it should be. It was apolitical. It was sympathetic. It was compassionate. Uh, I think it was a, a good uh, a good speech. And and uh, Tom. Yeah, I think even uh, W could have risen to the occasion in a situation like this. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, and that is something that you know you, you see. I mean, W in the the, the days after nine eleven, you you see him just kind of saying these things to get people pumped and excited, like, you know, they're going to hear you, and, and the stuff that he said when he visited Manhattan. So it is 
Um, I mean, I'm also an Obama fan, and I think that, that you know, he's eloquent no matter what, but um, there is something about situations like this that kind of makes people rise to the occasion. Um, absolutely. So uh, what we're going to do now is, in the last few minutes, um, David and I are going to uh, take a take a listen to some music. Um, uh, Michelle, Tom, um, is there anything else you guys want to say before I let you go? Uh, no. Uh, thanks for the time. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you, sir. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, it was Michelle, good meeting thank you, you all. Next time we'll do some hotter hot mess. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. It was really, it was great to be on the show with all of you, actually. Thank you. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks. Thanks, bye-bye. All right. And uh, back with the David Bowers. Um, So, David, last night when I was uh, preparing for future uh, Blaze and Rye episodes, um, I was uh, going through this. um, We have a partnership with a website called cyberpr.biz, and a lot of our guests, come from this particular uh, publicist, um, okay. this public relations company. They, they deal in music. And um, I've noticed that lately the, the quality of music has, has gotten a, a lot better um, than when we first started with them. Uh, not that it was bad at the beginning, but it's just it's gotten really good. So um, I was kind of reminded last night of the healing power of music. And I just I put some songs on, on my switchboard for tonight Um just that resonated with me as I was working on the Aurora show and, and working on future shows. Um, and uh, I'll just, I'll play uh, one of these songs and come back and we'll get your take on it. So um, let's play this song. Uh, it is <laughs> trying to, I, I put so many on here. Um, let's do. Keeping Calm the Lives We Know by Hannah and Maggie. All right. Uh, actually, that so it looks like that song was cut off. Let's do City in Between by Hannah and Maggie. Here we go. Till they break in time 
don't be afraid to reach out for help. I think that that is important. And, uh, you know, um, there is counseling available out there. Uh, and um, I believe that the uh, district attorney said not to worry about uh, a lack of financial means. If you can't afford it, um, they'll be able to provide counseling for you. So um, if you need help, get it. And, and if I can interject um, one if I can interject mm-hmm. one thing here, I've noticed also there are, if you uh, if you go online and Google it, there are several legitimate organizations that are working to help support the people of Aurora and the victims and others. And if you're in a position where you feel you want to do something for the people of Colorado and Aurora, uh, go online and look for the help organizations or contact the media in the Aurora, Denver area, and they can direct you to the legitimate uh, organizations through which you can work. Absolutely. Thank you for that, Dave. Um, All right, so we'll be back next week. Uh, The David Bowers, thank you for once again uh, coming on at the last minute and delivering. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm glad I could be here. Absolutely. We're going to leave our listeners with the band We Are Trees with the song Colorado. Uh, so uh, I'm not going to say the usual uh, ending line, but uh, I, I just I hope everyone is um, searching for for help if they need it, and uh, you are always welcome to reach out to our show if you have any questions or comments, thoughts. Um, uh, if you just reach out to us on Twitter, Blazing Rye Radio. Uh, at twitter.com and um, you can also reach out to me Ryan at blazingrightradio.com uh, alright well that, that's enough uh, we've gone over like five minutes over the time limit so uh, you know how that is David uh, I've been we will, that. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon and um, here they are we are trees with Colorado good night everybody good night